How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Locked on NBA continues with its draft coverage, and today is going to be amazing. Mike Schmitz. Draft Express, the guy who does all the amazing strength and weakness videos for Draft Express, will break down all of the major draft prospects. Part one is going to be one through eight. Part two is going to be the rest of the guys in the draft. All coming up for you on Locked On NBA. It's brought to you by Larson Digital. Visit LarsonDigital.com, and they've got a special deal for you. 25% off movie, film, and videotape transfers to digital. Use the coupon code LOCKED. For more details, go to LarsonDigital.com slash LOCKED. They are the best at converting any old media, digital, videotapes, film, slides, negatives, photos, etc., for you to the cloud or to a hard drive or whatever you might want, go to LarsonDigital.com slash locked and get 25% off movie, film, and videotapes, as well as brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the promo code LOCKED, download the app SeatGeek, and use the promo code LOCKED to get $20 off your first purchase. Exciting day on the Locked On Podcast Network. We will debut a brand new podcast called Locked On Golf, hosted by Brian Taylor, longtime host of Real Golf Radio. He'll have Johnny Miller on, so search your iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use and subscribe to Locked On Golf as well. Here is part one of Mike Schmidt's Draft Express NBA Draft Breakdown Players 1 through 8. Thanks so much for taking the time. Really, thank you for your work. I mean, I think you'd probably have as big an impact on what people think about players and feel about players as about anyone out there with the access you give people with your videos. Mike, thanks so much for the effort you put into that. No, I appreciate it, David. Thank you for the, the intro. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, when you watch basketball for a living, yeah, it's hard to have any complaints. Give me a background on where it all started, um, how it came about. Uh, give, give us a little background just on yourself and, and, and this work because I think it's, a, it's really interesting that you found this I don't want to call it niche because I think it's bigger than that. Yeah, I um, it's kind of an interesting path. I was, I just kind of started making these videos on my own when I was I was in college. Actually, um, I used to do some stuff for uh, Valley of the Suns. It was a True Hoop blog um, back when I was in college, and then so I did some you know video stuff there. I do like you know, uh, stuff that, you know, some of the Suns guys needed to improve on. I'd call it like off-season improvement videos. So I'd kind of, you know, go through and say, you know, Mark Stoudemire needs to get better at defense. We all know that, you know, but do, you know, different video stuff like that. And then that kind of led to, hmm, you know, there isn't really any draft videos that break these guys down. Um, so I kind of started doing that uh, for Valley of the Suns and then, you know, pitching, pitching it around to other outlets. Um, and then I, you know, I reached out to Jonathan and, um, said, Hey, I'm going to do, you know, 30 videos on, uh, you know, guys who are projected in the first round. If you want to feature them on your website, great. Um, I guess that was back in almost 2011 maybe. And, uh, and he, he said, great. And that started a, you know, a relationship with us. And then, 
then I actually worked in the D league, um, as a video coordinator the year after, um, you know, I was doing both. And so I, I got that experience, which was a great experience. And then, you know, Jonathan offered to bring me on full time. And so I've been, I've been doing this ever since. It's great work. Mike Schmitz, uh, Twitter is at Mike underscore S C H M I T Z. Mike underscore S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. Great work. Draft Express. Now let's get into it. Here's, here's what the, we're going to do on this podcast. A lot of other times we'll talk about teams, Juan, as we get closer. But right now, let's just let everybody get to know the players because Mike knows them better than anyone. And, Mike, I have a, I have a really good friend, longtime coach in the NBA. And when I was first learning, he used to say to me, and I can't do his accent because he's got this great accent, but he, he basically said to me, hey, if you're going to watch college players, there better be something about a college player that if you were if he was going to be if you were playing against him in the NBA that made you say oh beep right like there better be some skill that makes you say oh beep he better have some elite skill and I got the actually the NBA game's changing a little bit where the above average across the board is surviving better than it used to but let's run through these guys we'll use the draft express mock draft and I just want to give you the guy give me what his skill is that makes you just go, wow, when you're doing the draft video about him that's going to make other teams say, oh, beep. And, and then also maybe what's your biggest concern on him is. So let's start with Ben Simmons. Yeah, with Simmons, I think passing is the, you know, the thing that everyone raves about with him. Um, in the half court, he can do it from pretty much all over the floor, either as a primary ball handler, uh, out of the post. But I think the area where you really, really need to track him is in transition. Um, you just don't see a lot of guys 6'10", 240, who can kind of grab and go like he can. And he has really good instincts on the glass as well. So, I mean, he's flying around, grabbing rebounds, and he's up the court. Um, whether he's whipping it ahead, pushing himself and finishing, um, he's got tremendous open court speed. And then when you couple that, you know, with his size, strength, and vision, um, it's really, really tough to stop. So I think – you know, his his creative passing ability and his uh, transition play are, you know, things that really scare opponents. Does he play hard? Um, defensively, I don't think so, no. Uh, I think he has, you know, he has good feet. He has good instincts. Um, and, you know, people really want to say, oh, blame the system and, and the coaching and that team was a mess and, um, you know, I've been watching Ben Simmons since he was in high school, and he was a winner, you know, at, at Montverde, but he's always kind of been a too-cool-for-school type of guy. Um, and, you know, to me, people who say that situation was terrible, I mean, he was the GM of that team, you know, and he pretty much handpicked the coach. Uh, his guardian is an assistant coach. You know, I mean, that team was built around him, so it's hard for me to have too much sympathy um, in that regard. So, yeah, I think the the mentality, um, is he going to be a guy who puts in work, who wants to be the best? Um, that's a big question mark for me, in addition to the shooting, and, and you know, there there isn't elite length there either, but special, special talent, very versatile, but there are some, some concerns for me. I mean, I watched LSU Vanderbilt the other day because I was watching Wade Baldwin Jr. It just, I mean, it jumps out at you. It's, it's unbelievable. But I also go back to, I was in Portland for the Nike Hoop Summit. He just coasted through that game. And I would think, like, yeah. in that setting, on that day, I mean, I went to go see Ben Simmons, and it took me 10 to 15 minutes of basketball before I saw a play where I went, oh, I got it now. Like, I was beginning to wonder what everybody was talking about. And I just, 
I don't know if this is true, but I just have this vision that if I went and watched, you know, some of the other great players been through the Nike Hoop Summit, that I, that wouldn't have been what my experience is. But you know what? Sometimes that's revisionist history, and it's not true. Yeah, I mean, I I think there are some real questions there, though. I I think, um, you know, a lot of people are just kind of writing them off as wasn't a great situation at, at LSU, but um, there's a lot more there, you know, a lot of background, even from his days, you know, in Australian youth, uh, FIBA stuff and, and teammates who he's played with. Um, so, you know, he's he's got some questions to answer, there's no doubt. More with Mike Schmitz in a minute, but let me tell you about our sponsor today, LarsonDigital.com. And actually today, if you use LarsonDigital.com slash locked, you receive 25% off movie film and videotape transfers to digital. Movie movie film can be transferred to a DVD or saved in uh, 1080 high def. They also can set their... uh, MP4 video files for the computer. MP4 files allow you to edit the videos on your computer and do some more work with it. So all of that is possible with Larson Digital slash Locked, and you get 25% off. Also, videotapes can be transferred to a DVD. They also can get their MP4 video files to your computer. And again, that allows you to do the editing uh, you might want to do. Let me tell you a little bit about Larson Digital and why they're the people to use. This is a, all work is done in the United States of America. They're a Utah-based company that started when the patriarch of the family wanted to convert some things. So we started doing it with the whole neighborhood. And next thing you know, 20 plus years later, they have a long time running company, Fabulous customer service, and it's time for you to get all of your old family memories and work into digital. So stop procrastinating and get it done. Today, 25% off movie, film, and videotape transfers uh, with the promo code LOCKED. Go to LarsonDigital.com slash LOCKED. They also can take your videotapes and movie film, as I mentioned, slides, negative photos, audio tapes, audio reels, etc. It's a great company. If you want to ship it to them, you can do that. You can deliver it to them if you're Utah-based at their Pleasant View uh, location near Ogden or in Bountiful, Sandy or Orem, uh, whichever's best for you. I know it's hard for a lot of people to let go of those items, but send it UPS or FedEx and Larson will take care of you. You'll be so glad you did this and your family will be too for all the amazing memories. LarsonDigital.com slash lock. Brandon Ingram, what's the thing that makes you say wow or an opponent say, oh, beep? They evidently were going through his, puberty while they were doing that scouting report as well. <laughs> I think just his his overall skill set at that size, um, mostly his shooting, but not just his spot shooting for me. I think his ability to play with the ball at 6'10", uh, you know, where Duke really killed teams was they ran a 4-5 pick and roll with him and Marshall Plumlee, and nobody could stop it because he's really smooth with the ball. Um, he can change speeds, he can change direction, and then he can pull up in your face. Um, you know, at 6'10", with those type of strides, that's really, really hard to stop. So I think his combination of just 6'10", 7'3", wingspan, long strides, and, you know, a beautiful shooting stroke that comes not just standing off the ball, but also playing with the ball, creating space off the dribble. He has really, really good footwork. Um, yeah, he's going to be a load. I, I think, especially when he, you know, fills out a little bit more, I think he's going to be able to play some small ball four down the line. And I don't know any, any guys at the four who are really going to be able to defend him. What happens if he doesn't gain weight? I think it's still okay. I mean, he's, 
he can play at two, three, you know, he played some one in college. I mean, this is a kid who, you know, people rave about Simmons passing and they should um, because, you know, he's an elite passer, the best passer in this draft by far, but Brandon Ingram has a really, really good feel for the game and he lets it come to him. He sees the floor well. Um, So I think with his handle and his ability to read the game and shooting, he's, He's fine playing the wing, playing even some two. Um, so I think he'll be okay in that regard. But I do think he's going to fill out. I mean, he kind of reminds me of what Giannis looked like at this age. Um, and, you know, people were – people used to say, you know, teams said, we don't want Giannis because he's too unathletic. Like that – like several teams said that in the pre-draft process. And, you know, look at this guy now. Your lower body fills out. Your upper body fills out. And um, it's a lot easier to explode off the floor. So um, I think he's going to look different physically uh, in, you know, two, three years with NBA strength. There was an interesting quote from Brad Stevens the other day where he said he watches the last few minutes of games on these players. I don't know why I feel this way, but I thought Brandon, I don't have any data to back this up, and I like data. Uh, I, I felt like Brandon Ingram was really solid late in games for Duke this year. Yeah, he was. Um, I was at the game versus Louisville and uh, in in, uh, in Cameron, and he put that team on his back, and not just as a scorer, but as a facilitator. They ran that four or five pick and roll, and he's got a really, really good you know poise about him. Um, sometimes you'd want him to be a little bit more of a killer, you know, um, whereas you know a guy like KD. Um, who people often want to make the comparison, which is a little unfair, but, uh, you know, that guy's a killer. Um, And he was ultra, ultra productive, one of the most productive freshmen um, in the history of college basketball at that age. And, you know, you see his skill set, and sometimes you want him to just go kill. Uh, But I'm not sure that's who he is just yet. Um, He's he's a laid-back kid. You know, he's a really hard worker. He's not a blend guy. But um, no doubt, though, he, he had some really big late moments for them, and and uh, he's, a, he's a really special prospect to me. More with Mike Schmitz on the top eight players in a moment, but let me remind you about the number one place to get your tickets. It's SeatGeek. You've heard about them. Now you've got to go use them if you haven't already. Whether it's going to a baseball game somewhere this summer, a concert venue somewhere, you're traveling and want to find out what's going on, or in my case, so, uh, my parents used it to buy theater tickets to see the incredible Hamilton. Go to download the free SeatGeek app, and immediately go into the settings, add a promo code, and put in locked right away. Do that for me. If you like the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. Then when you find the night you want to find the event to, you get $20 back on your first purchase. There's three primary reasons to use SeatGeek. They bring in all the other sites in one place so you know you're getting the best prices. Two, they're able to put together a system that tells you what the best value on each ticket is, which are the underpriced tickets so that you get the best deal, and there's no charges at checkout no surprise figures for you as well so get the $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase by downloading the SeatGeek app adding the promo code locked and enjoy the pleasures of SeatGeek in whatever event you're going to now here's more with Mike Schmitz 18 years old seven foot one 225 pounds with the best name ever Dragon Bender. <laughs> uh he measured out at, at, at legit seven feet what's what's your feeling on him yeah, I like Dragon a lot. I got a chance to see him live last year at EuroCamp, and then um, you know I've watched a lot, a lot of film on him. Seven um, one, 
super, super fluid. Uh, for Maccabi, he was, you know, he was chasing around wings at times. Um, and so I think his switchability at that size, his feet uh, fits perfectly into today's NBA. Um, and then he has that, you know, nine foot three stage, which is um, pretty much elite for a four and very good for a center as well. Um, so I think defensively he's, you know, once he gets physically stronger, uh, he's going to be able to give you a lot of versatility there. And then um, offensively, he's a guy who's really, really improved as a spot shooter. Um, used to be not a non-shooter, but that wasn't, you know, a strength of his. Um, he's been making shots, and he's got a really good feel. Uh, not something you saw a ton at Maccabi because of the role he played, but, I mean, when he was with the, you know, Croatian national team and, and FIBA play, like he's a grab-and-go guy, finding guys on the move, playing even some pick-and-roll at seven foot. So uh, I think that's a skill set that maybe people haven't seen at a really high level yet. Um, but he's a multi-multi-tool guy. Um, so he's multi-tooled, he's just, he's he's, multi Mike. Does he have a wow factor? Does he have that – does he have – I think that's the question with Dragon. He's, um, he's not – I don't see him as, like, a go-to guy, you know. He's not a very, like, boisterous personality either. You know, he's very focused – um, he's very serious, and uh, he. But he's never been much of a scorer. You know, he's he's more of a facilitator. Um, you know, defensive switch guy who can who can attack a closeout, make an open three. Like he's going to make the right play. Um, and when you have all those skills at seven one, as you know, you know that's that's hard to find. Um, but I think that's the biggest question with him. In addition to you know he's got to get physically stronger is okay, if you take this guy at the number three pick, the number four pick, um, are you ever going to get a guy who's going to, you know, go get you a bucket late or um, be a guy you can lean on in that regard? And, and I'm not sure that's uh, – I'm not sure he's ever going to be that. But he does so many other great things, and he's so young that um, he's a really intriguing prospect. Great stuff so far from Mike Schmidt's Draft Express. Uh, Marquise Chris, Washington freshman, makes you say, wow, why? It's 6'11", kid out of Washington, just 19 years old, maybe 6'10". Tell me what makes you say wow about Marquise Chris. Yeah, Marquise has elite uh, bounce. Um, yeah, I, I first saw him when he was you know, 15, 16 years old. Um, he was a sophomore in high school at Pangos Camp out here. And the first thing that ever stood out to me was, is just his, the way he gets off the floor. Um, he doesn't maybe run as explosively as he jumps, but, I mean, he's a lob catcher, head-at-the-rim type of guy. Um, and then in addition, in addition to that, I think what really more than anything is going to give him a role in the NBA is how he's developed as a shooter. Um, he has really, really nice touch. He's extended it out to college three, and I think he's going to be able to extend it to NBA three fairly seamlessly. Um, so he's, he's definitely going to be a guy who can pick and pop, can hit trail threes and catch lobs around the rim. Can he pass the basketball? That's a work in progress for him. Um, you know, that, that team in general at Washington, uh, you, you know, was a little bit wild at times. So I think that played a part, but he also is late to the game. He's been playing, he was a football player, um, for most of his life. I think that is in part explains how many fouls he committed this year, but he, uh, he's been playing organized basketball at a high level for like four years or so. So um, he's got a way to go, I think, uh, 
you know, as a guy who, especially at your, as your four, you want a guy who's going to be able to read closeouts and make the right play. Um, so I think that's that's a work in progress for him. So this is I, I've brought this up before on the podcast I did with Chad on our other podcast. Uh, I, I I'm actually a big believer in ten thousand hours, not in the sense that that's what you need to be elite necessarily, but in the sense that you need some high amount of hours. I don't know the number to be an NBA player. The guys who always come in the cute story, the Jordan Hills. Oh, they they picked it up late, and the Marquise Chris fits in this a little bit. Uh, the Ennis Cantor, oh, he didn't play till he was 15. But then I watched them play on the NBA level. They've got the skills. There's no question. Their body's there. They don't understand the game. And if you don't understand the game at the speed of the NBA, you get exposed. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge for him, no question. Um, you know, he didn't play really USA basketball. He didn't play, you know, at an elite level. I mean, he just hasn't played a ton of high-level basketball. Um, and I think you're totally right. I mean, instinctually, he's got a way to go. I think he does show some stuff. Um, you know, he's not a great defender at all right now, mostly due to motor issues, but I think he shows some instincts uh, rotating, blocking shots um, on the defensive end, uh, and he'll show you a flash or two every once in a while as a passer, but um, he's got a way to go. I mean, if he's going to be a guy who goes in the top five, um, I think he's going to spend, you know, a little bit more time with their D-League team than maybe a fan base would like. But, again, you know, he's so young, and it's just hard to find guys who are 6'10", who can jump like him and shoot like him. All right, let's move to Chris Dunn, 22 years old. Nice size, 6'4", 205, point guard out of Providence. What makes you say wow when you watch Chris Dunn? I think just the physical profile that he has, um, 6'4", 6'4 almost 6'10 wingspan, NBA body. Um, and he has just got that dynamic, the way he moves with the ball, um, quick burst, can finish above the rim. You know, he like physically, you can put him in an NBA game right now. Uh, and I think that really, um, you know, transcends on the defensive end for him as well. Uh, he's a little bit wild defensively. It's kind of who he is. Uh, on both ends of the floor, but I mean, he is an elite on-ball defender. I think when he's, you know, can gets more experience and is more disciplined on that end, he can step in the NBA right now and guard ones and twos at a high level. So um, that's what sticks out about him to me is just the size, the length, the athleticism, and his uh, ability to guard the ball. If I walk into an NBA gym, or excuse me, a high school gym, and they have it's a freshman sophomore game and there's one kid who's a high school senior, and that kid is physically fully developed, and everybody else is just a freshman and sophomore in high school, and it's a JV game, and this, and this one kid is dominant. I would be relatively unimpressed. How much of that is really what Chris Dunn did last year? Because he was 22 with this incredible body uh, playing freshmen and sophomores. Yeah, I think, I think that plays a part, um, no question. But I also think, you know, even that, like if you put this body and these tools up against NBA point guards, even then it's fairly elite. You know, we um, CAA was, was nice enough to let us in a workout, um, you know, to, during the pre-draft process, and, and we saw him go against Alfred Payton. Um, we saw him go against, you know, Nick Johnson, who's obviously not, not as accomplished as Alfred Payton, but, I mean, he was holding his own. He was one of the best players in that workout. Um, so I think 
that definitely is a factor. You know, I think his stats are a little bit inflated, not just because of that, but because of, you know, he had the ball so, so much um, at Providence. But again, even when you, you know, compare him to starting NBA point guards physically, you know, he's right there. You realize what's happened here, right, in this podcast? You've become Mr. Sunny Sunshine, and I've become Danny Downer. It's funny because that's usually not my role. Well, it's probably always my role to be the contrarian. <laughs> so we'll continue with it. It actually is working well. Uh, Buddy Heald is another one who's 22 and a half years old, 6'5", 212 pounds. Uh, he was the talk of college basketball this year. But when you watch him as an NBA player, because there's nothing that translates. Ask Jimmer Fredette and Trey Burke and all these other college player of the years who then have to try, try to – uh, make it in the NBA. Almost, you know, just so few of those items that make you an unbelievable college player, make you a good NBA player. But when you watch him in an NBA uh, microscope, what makes you believe Buddy Heald is as good as people think he's going to be and what makes you say, wow? Yeah, I think maybe I'm not as Mr. Sunshine on, on this one. Uh, you know, I like his ability to shoot the ball, obviously, with range. Um He's really improved his ball skills. He, when he first got to college, you know, first he wasn't a great shooter, um, and secondly, he he wasn't a great ball handler at all. He was like a transition, spot up in transition, sprint the lanes, uh, and and shoot spot up threes. And he's a guy who's worked as hard as anyone in the country. Um, and he's you know his ability to play out of ball screens now, uh, make shots off the dribble. You know that's not something he was doing in the past. So I think that's what allowed him to have so much success at the college level and the fact that he had so much freedom to do so. Um, But I have a lot of concerns about him, you know, being this top five, top six guy, Um, you know, in this draft, I think it's okay just because there isn't a ton of star power. Um, But I've always seen him more as a guy who's going to, you know, come off the bench and and go get buckets. Um, And, you know, he's an awesome guy. And he has some size, he's got some length, um, and he's got a nice frame to him. But I've always just seen him, you know, come off the bench, don't worry about, you know, making, like, high-level decisions and just go get buckets. And I think that's the best way to utilize him rather than making him your starting two-guard. So he's got two aspects about him that make me very nervous. One is the age thing we've discussed. I, I love the age when you're Norman Powell, and I don't like it when you're Epe Udo and you're Wesley Johnson. And sure, I cherry-picked those examples, but I do, <laughs> I do think there's something to it. The second-round draft pick, who's older and established, then I know his game, and I kind of believe in him, and I loved Norman Powell last year coming out of the draft, but I don't think he's going to be more than what we just saw. And I, you know, go find me the, the four, three- and four-year college players. The bust list is endless. I mean, it's just endless, frankly. Uh, of these guys that have these big junior and senior years who didn't have freshman, sophomore years. Uh, The other one I get nervous about is if you go through the history of college basketball, other than Steph Curry, really, really high usage guys struggle adjusting to coming into the NBA, whether it's Morris Allman or Jimmer Fredette. Uh, When you're one of the highest usage rate guys in college, it's hard to come into the NBA and assimilate. I I completely agree. And I also, you know, kind of a nuanced thing, but, with him, you know, people want to make this J.J. Redick comparison. And, um, I mean, J.J. Redick's a guy who makes a living in a lot of ways, like sprinting off of pin downs, you know what I mean? And he's got that, like, hard left plant rise and stroke. Whereas 
but he's not that type of shooter. He's more of like a shuffle step, let me get my rhythm, dribble, you know, catch and shoot, quick trigger, sure. But um, he's he just made so much of a living off of having the ball late in clock, being able to pull up from, you know, 28 feet. And like you said, I mean, that's something we saw a lot from, from Jimmer or guys like that um, coming out of college. So I think what's going to help him is that he's an elite human being and an elite worker and an elite teammate. Um, and so he's going to give you all that stuff and he's going to do everything he can to maximize what he has. Um, but I, I definitely have some concerns about him being kind of labeled an NBA starter. Interesting stuff. And by the way, the craziest thing about it is six five two twelve. I'm not even sure if that's, that might be small for a shooting guard in this league pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think it is. I, I, I think more so with the, he's got some length and he's got a good frame. Um, but yeah, six, five is not, you know, ideal, especially if you want a guy who's going to be able to go get you a bucket. Um, I think he maybe made like seven jumpers, you know, inside the arc. And I know, yeah, the mid range game, you know, no one wants it, whatever, but if you're going to be an elite scorer in the NBA, you need to have that. Wait, he always made seven field jump shots inside the three point range all year. Yeah. It was like seven or eight. I, I believe I need to double check that, but, um, yeah, that's a. I found that as a very interesting stat when I when wow. I was doing right. my video work. Yeah, uh, Jalen Brown. He's an old freshman. It's worth noting he's nineteen and a half, six seven two twenty three, out of Cal. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, actually, I won't ruin it. All right, when you uh, when you watch Jalen Brown, uh, what's the thing that's going to make other teams scouting him go? Oh, beep. Physically, he's. A monster, um, six seven, like you said, six seven two twenty three, seven foot wingspan. You know, if you just go watch his transition stuff, super super impressive. You know, kind of weaving through traffic when he gets ahead of steam, um, he's really tough, explosive off the ground. Um, so I think the physical aspect, for sure, is you know explosiveness in space is impressive, um, and then you you know you hope that translates to being a multi positional defender on the other end um so you know that's that's what there is to like about him but there there are quite a few drawbacks as well and what are the drawbacks i think just the lack of production um you know at the college level is concerning the lack of efficiency um he's kind of trended down as a shooter since i started you know watching him um and just the feel feel for the game i think is a big question with him just decision making I think he gets a little bit of an out given the fact that Cal wasn't exactly the most free-flowing offense. They they played, you know, two centers. Um, There wasn't much space. Uh, So, you know, I think that kind of played a part. But there's there's some real questions about how he's going to be able to score in the NBA, um, if he's going to be able to make shots and make the right decisions. Compare him to Justice Winslow of a year ago for me. Justice, much better feel for the game. Um, much better with the ball. I think Justice is an elite competitor, whereas Jalen, I think, was kind of once seen as that when he was first coming up, and it just kind of faded. Um, He's a guy who floats in and out of games. He's kind of in his own head. He's a very, very intelligent kid, Um, has a lot of non-basketball interests. Uh, You know, he was taking apparently like – really, really high-level, graduate-level classes at Cal. Um, so he's, he's a different kid, but he doesn't have that feel and he doesn't have that 
competitiveness of justice. Compare him to Stanley Johnson of a year ago. Those were the two elite bodies of last year's draft. This is the right. this is the elite body of this year's draft. Yeah, I think uh, there are some similarities with him and Stanley for sure. Um, I think you know it's it's funny. Maybe two years ago, you know, Jalen was he's definitely more explosive, but he was a better shooter. Um, but I don't know, man. He's trended he's trended down, and I think Stanley's very inconsistent. But I think Stanley is actually a little bit better of a shooter. Uh, than Jalen is, whereas Jalen's uh, a better athlete. I, I don't think either guy has has great feel for the game, um, but there there are definitely some similarities between those two. So Stanley's I, much. I mean, Stanley's two hundred forty five pounds, too, so, so I, that he gets edge there. So I watched him, Mike. I, I kind of love him, and then I kind of get really scared about him, which is probably why he's at seven uh, in that range. So I mean, there is stuff in there that just guys can't do, and he's just got a body that goes forever. The thing I get worried about is I can't figure out if he's going to be able, if he's got the mentality or the game to figure out his NBA niche, right? Like, I don't think he's going to be a go-to guy, James Harden. So then does he have what it takes to figure out how do I fit into this team? What do I do? You know, maybe he's Michael K. Gilchrist, but I don't know if he, Michael K. Gilchrist seems to have always embraced that role. And I don't know if this kid embraces that role that same way. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's much more offensively talented. Like he has, he has some talent. Um, I think he's going to look better in the NBA with space. I think, you know, you can play him quite a bit as a small ball four, I think, just because of how strong he is. And then when you put him in that situation, um, you know, closeouts are longer. Uh, I, I think he's going to look a little bit better. Um, I was, that was something I was hoping, you know, Cal would have done a little bit more with him. Uh, but, you know, I think you're right. I mean, if you were, if you were a type of guy who would embrace – I'm going to be a physical defender. I'm going to guard multiple positions. I'm going to attack the rim as hard as I can, and I'm going to make enough spot threes to at least have them hand contest. Um, I think he'd be a really good NBA player and probably an NBA starter. Um, it's just, is he going to embrace that? Here's the other one, and we're getting off a little bit just player by player because I can't help myself. When I'm watching these videos, and I don't do what you do. I mean, I don't want to, like, I dig into certain players um, and then watch them. I don't watch any college basketball during the year. I very out say that all the time, and I just want, you know, I'm not lying to anyone about it. I only watch them with the intention of what they're going to do in the NBA. Um, I can never, there's so little space on the college floor, and the NBA floor is actually getting wider and wider and wider and wider. And so, like, guys like this who are so strong and have, you know, this athleticism, I can't figure out entirely what he's going to do with space. We'll get to another one I'll talk to about with this. But, I mean, he might actually turn out to be, you know, mid-post guy who you give the ball to, and he's so strong, he's able to do a lot of stuff. Or maybe even not mid-post, maybe even, you know, high elbow kind of extended horn set, and you suddenly are interchanging him, and he's doing – he's just so physically in demand, you know, uh, dominant that he's able to do stuff. That That's what I kind of began to wonder when I watched him. I think no question. I, I'm a Jalen Brown believer more than most. Um, I think there's a chance he goes number three to Boston. You know, um, He's going to be a much better NBA player than he is college. You're not going to be able to – you know, you see in college, like these guys are like full giving their body off of shooters. They're not just swiping at the ball or digging at the ball. Like you're clogging off these guys. And, you know, so many of his fouls and turnovers were charges and the floor is shrunk and it, he's – like you said, I mean, you, you can use him in different ways on the floor and just get downhill, attack, 
use your athleticism and physicality, he's going to, he's going to look much better. Um, worst case, he's going to be, you know, an NBA role player. By the way, I do wish that when I watched him, that Tyron, Tyron Wallace sometimes was better. That bothered me, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually, kinda, uh, I had this. This is my my Norman Powell love affair happened last year. I was watching Stanley Johnson, and I kept uh, this other guy, this player for UCLA, kept making plays. I was like, "Who the hell is that?" I, I kind of felt that way watching Jalen Brown. Like I was like Tyron Wallace, who like like he keeps making plays. He keep you know. So we'll see. You never know. Maybe that's one, maybe that's a future future guy that we throw around there at some point in time. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I grew up in Palo Alto. It's not nice of me to say nice things about Cal Bears. Uh, let's, go, <laughs> let's go to Jamal Murray, uh, who, of course, I watched Kentucky Vanderbilt, so I saw that first half, which was probably as good as he was at any point all year. Uh, 6'5", out of Kentucky, averaged 20 points a game this year. Uh, what's your take on Murray? Um, yeah, big-time shooter. Shoots it. Uh, to me, I, I actually think he's a better shooter than, than Buddy, um, just in – how he's able to, you know, able to get his feet set running off of screens. He's an elite off-screen shooter, um, and I think that's a little bit more useful because, you know, you're, there are other guys who are more talented with the ball. So you you can use him, I think, in a variety of ways. He has great scoring instincts. Uh, he's very very creative as a scorer, um, and you know, this is a kid who, at 18 years old for most of the season, put up big time numbers in a big time conference. So he has. It, you know, really high-level, intangible stuff. Loves the game. Competitive kid. Um, he's just—he has some physical limitations. You know, he doesn't have a great body. Uh, He's—I think—he's always going to be behind the eight ball defensively, and he's not a great athlete. Not just around the rim, but I think in terms of getting by guys, I think we really saw that. Um, you know, against Indiana, I thought he had some some struggles there against some of their longer, more athletic guys. Oh, good points. I need someone to bring me back to earth on him because um, I saw him in the Nike Hoop Summit where he was the best player on the floor. I've watched that Kentucky half against Vanderbilt. The, two, the times I've watched him, his, one of the really simplest ways, and I don't know if you feel this way, Mike, when I watch these guys, I want to, and I, and I told somebody this recently, like, how do you watch college to know for the NBA? I said, you know what, actually, the simplest thing you could do is get no roster in front of you, turn off the commentators, watch 10 minutes, and the NBA players should be abundantly obvious. Yes. Jamal Murray yes. is abundantly obvious every time I watch him. Like when you watch Kentucky, you, you, you he's cute. And you're like, oh, he's small. It might be like Jamal Murray is abundantly obviously the NBA player on the floor. No question. He is fun, man. I mean, I first saw him at Nike Hoop Summit when he was 16. And he was just, you know, he was maybe 6'4 at the time. Just a spot, just a spot shooter. But a high-level spot shooter. You're like, who is this kid? And then you just saw him get better and better and better. And that's what he does. Um, he's he's a phenomenal kid with a big-time work ethic who can really fill it up. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like him a little bit more than Buddy, and I think, you know, he's a lot kid on the top ten. If a general – here's my take on him, and tell me if you think I'm crazy. Feel free. I don't care. Uh, I already know I am. Uh <laughs> If a general manager were to call me tomorrow, or I'm talking to a general manager, and he says, "You know, we're going to give, we're going to trade up, we're going to really make a move," and the guy we're going to get is Murray, he's the guy that we've talked about so far that I would be like, "Yeah, totally, absolutely, I got it." Like he's the one, uh, other than Simmons and Ingram, 
from three to eight on this draft board. If someone said to me, yeah, we're unloading the Danny Ainge five first-round draft pick package to go get this guy the way people wanted to adjust Justice Winslow last year, Jamal Murray's the guy I'd be like, oh, I get that. Yeah, I understand it in some ways. You know, I, I think his ceiling is a little bit limited uh, just in terms of, like, what he can do physically. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that the C.J. McCollum comparison is all that terrible. Um, if you get a guy who, you know, he can pass a little bit and he he's a scorer first, but um, he's going to fill it up at the NBA level. So I, I don't see, like, a – I'm not sure he has, like, star potential just because he has some limitations, but – he's going to be a big-time scorer. And I like the five rebounds a game, too. And I also think the two assists would be better if he was – he just, you know, they, he wasn't – he didn't have the ball in his hands. So uh, the draft breaks a little bit at that point. Do you agree with me that now we have a little yes. bit of a slip? The draft breaks at eight a little bit. And now, frankly, this is hard for us because if I said it, we're going to do 30 players, like I don't even know which 30 to do because it goes about 38. Part one of Mike Schmidt's was brought to you by Larson Digital as well as SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek, download the app, and enter in the promo code LOCKED. And Larson Digital's got an incredible deal for you today. 25% off movie film and videotape transfers. Use the coupon code LOCKED. Go to LarsonDigital.com backslash LOCK and get 25% off movie film and videotape transfers. Part 2 will drop on Wednesday, starting with Jakob Pertl, the center from Utah, running down most of the next 30 players or 20 players in the NBA draft. And remember to subscribe to the new Locked on Golf and get ready for U.S. Open coverage.